We need to force people to save. We need a social security type system because people on their own will not save enough for their old age. This, the healthcare system, the private healthcare system will not provide health insurance for people that have pre-existing condition without the government's intervention. So there is a very important role for the government. It's just the, that role does not include expropriating our children, does not include bankrupting our country. But we need policies that redistribute within generations that fix, that get us enough revenue to pay our costs. We need intelligent, economist design policies. We don't need to drive our kids broke. Hello, aficionados of career and financial excellence. Welcome into the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, wealth manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm joined alongside career mentor and interview coach, Sergio Patterson. Good morning. What is up, everyone? Welcome into a money management edition of the Free Retiree Show. For today's episode, we'll be talking about Social Security. With all the money that's been printed in recent years, many people have been questioning whether Social Security can continue to survive for future generations. Even people that are entering retirement are curious as to whether their benefits will continue for the rest of their lives. We'll be discussing in this episode how you maximize the benefits of Social Security for your retirement and how you can utilize it in your retirement planning. Maybe you're far away from retirement, Maybe you're not, but what you do today impacts your social security benefits. So you should understand how it works, whether it's for retirement, spousal benefits, disability. If you live long enough, more than likely, you'll end up utilizing social security benefits. And to guide us on today's discussion, we have literally one of the best experts in the world on social security, our pal. Professor Lawrence Kolokoff. For those of you that don't know who he is, he is a professor of economics at Boston University, top 25 ranked economist by The Economist magazine. And he's even the co-author of a New York Times bestseller, Get What's Yours, The Secrets to Maximizing Out Your Social Security. And he's been the co-author of about 16 other books. And he's done many professional articles. You may have seen them in the Financial Times, Bloomberg, Forbes, Vox, The Economist, Yahoo.com, Huffington Post. And to add a cherry on top of that, Sergio, he is one of our only two-time guests of the Free Retiree Show. Obviously, that's his biggest accomplishment right there, right? Yeah, that's a good way to end. The best for last. <laughs> Serge, I know a lot of the people at your company have been talking about Social Security. You've been at Google, LinkedIn, Amazon, Facebook. What is the level of concern regarding Social Security with people that you've worked with? What's the chatter yeah. at the water cooler? Yeah, I think it's two parts. I think the first one is we're just terrified it's not going to be there when we grow old and when we need it. I don't know if the data tells us that. I'm no expert on it, but I think that's what the chatter is right now. A lot of people are just scared it's not going to be there. I mean, we're paying into something that we're not going to be able to leverage. And then the second part is living in the Bay Area. I see, just for example, my mother-in-law, she's on social security and it's not a lot of money. So knowing what I know about living in the Bay Area, <laughs> how, do, how does one live comfortably in the Bay Area and other big cities or areas like that? Is it enough to get by? Those are some of the questions that I've heard and I have. Yeah. So this is going to be a great episode for, because I'm curious too. I help people utilize social security benefits all the time, but like the future of it? 
what the state of our social security is right now, the system, I don't really know. So uh, everyone's got different opinions. Are they valid? Are they not? We're going to find out with Professor Kolokoff. We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, make sure you join us back in with the professor. If you have questions, maybe regarding social security, you can send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. And make sure you share our podcast. We really appreciate the love and support. We'll be taking a quick break, but when we're back, we'll be sitting down with Professor Kolokoff. into the free retiree show we are sitting down with the one the only professor kalikoff professor how you doing this morning great great to be with you guys always a pleasure having you on our show we're, we're blessed that, that you're one of our return repeat guests and I, I know this ranks very low in your career but we're super ecstatic about it so thank you so much you guys are i would say as fun as any podcast there is so it's wow. That's a good way to start our Sunday. That's that's awesome. Most podcasters are like a little dull, but you guys are <laughs> you guys got something going on. That was our goal. That's literally it's good to hear that. Yeah, that was one of our key goals. Thank yeah, you. Th- thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, Professor, let's talk about Social Security. Let's start with a brief explanation of exactly what it is. I think a lot of our listeners are still slightly confused on what exactly Social Security is, and then what's the current state of Social Security? Okay. So the system is taking 12.4% of our pay, every dollar we earn from age 16 on out of our paychecks, and it's called the FICA taxes, the FICA Social Security tax. There's also a component for Medicare, which is uh, 2.7% of our pay. So Altogether, it's 15.3% of our pay is going to these two programs for benefits we're mostly going to get in old age. If you become disabled, you can get Social Security earlier when you become disabled, and you can also get onto Medicare if you're disabled. But apart from that, it's a long wait until you get uh, paid off. Now, people will immediately say, well, my share of the FICA tax uh, is only uh, half the employer is paying the other half. I'm not paying the whole thing. Well, do you guys know any employers who would freely pay your income tax? Would fee- freely pay your your tax at the uh, no. school when you go, your sales tax or your state income tax? No. So mm-hmm. the employer is saying, okay, government wants us to mail you this payment. The employer mails both payments, both parts to the government takes it right out of your paycheck. And so therefore, we're going to pay you less by the total amount that we have to hand over to you. And whether it's called employer versus employee, it doesn't matter. You're getting less money as take-home pay. So first of all, you're paying, you, uh, Lee and Sergio, are paying the full 12.4% of payroll tax to Social Security on every dollar you earn. Now, imagine you could put 12.4% of your pay into a 401k plan. 
you would think that at the end of the day, if you got a decent return, you'd have a whole lot of money. That's a pretty high saving rate, right? Uh, Social Security is paying out benefits in a different way, in large part as a Ponzi scheme where you pay your money, your, your payroll tax is going to your parents and grandparents and other people's parents and grandparents. And then they're saying, well, don't worry, you'll be able to take money from your kids when you're older. Of course, we're having fewer kids. We're having fewer kids later, you know, partly because we're having them later. The kids are earning less. So the whole thing is a Ponzi scheme. It deserves the name Ponzi because Ponzi was this guy who was running a fraud, I think, in the 1920s among Italian friends. People will know about Bertie Madoff more, you know, because that's a more familiar Ponzi schemer. But there's actually Ponzi schemes being run every day. A new Ponzi scheme is set up and the SEC is going after them. So there's hundreds that are being shut down by the Security and Exchange Commission literally every year, maybe 500 a year or so if you look online. Anyway, this is a Ponzi scheme being organized by the by Uncle Sam. And it's been going on. It was started under Roosevelt. It was supposed to be funded where the money will be put into your own into a fund. And at least some people wanted to do it that way. But it was immediately Congress said, well, we've got this money coming in. Why save it for that person? Let's just give it to the voters who happen to be retirees. Why do I say that? Because retirees, older people, have disproportionate political weight because when it comes to election day, what do they do? They vote because they have nothing else to do, right? They're retired. It's a big activity for the day. It's not bridge. It's not golf. It's going to to a, a vote. Whereas the younger people are out working, right? They don't have the time, mm-hmm. or they're partying, right? They don't have the time. <laughs> to vote. So you have very high voter participation turnout by older people. The politicians know this, and they suck up to them. So right under, you know, beginning with Social Security's first payment, it was to people who are older who the politicians claim, well, they were hurt in the Great Depression. Well, some of them were and some of them weren't, but it wasn't just to poor older people that we started giving other people's money away to. It was to everybody who was old. And the the highest earners get the most out of Social Security. It's a progressive program. So your benefits are disproportionately higher if you've been a lower earner and contributing less. But the, in absolute terms, the biggest checks are going being paid to the highest earners in the country. So you pay this 12.4 up to about $140,000, and then the payroll tax stops. President Biden would like to start it up again beyond $400,000 earnings. But anyway, so this is the way the system works. Now, what do you get back? Well, there's 13 different benefits that Social Security provides. Most people know about the retirement benefit which is just benefits that you get based on your own work record. But there are benefits so that you can, on your work record, provide to your spouse, if your spouse or partner, well, no, it has to be, you know, it has to be married. Yeah. You can be partnered unless you're in some states, if it was like a de facto marriage. But anyway, you get the retirement benefit and then you can provide a spousal benefit. If you've been married for 10 years and you get divorced, you can provide a divorce spousal benefit. If you die, you can provide a survivor benefit to your ex-spouse who you're married to 10 years. There's um, benefits for children who are under 19 and still in school. And there's uh, benefits for spouses who are taking care of kids. There's uh, disability benefits we mentioned. There's uh, benefits for, if I'm taking care of my, let's say my mom passed away a couple of years ago, she was 98. 
I and my siblings were her main supporters. So had I passed away before she did, she could have gotten 75% of my full retirement benefit as a parent benefit. Most people, my siblings didn't know about this. They're extremely well-educated. My brother's a provost of Cornell, my twin brother. Or oh, wow. Twin. Twin brother. Yeah. All these benefits that people don't know about, if you don't uh, use them, you lose them. So for example, you can start really collecting your retirement benefit is 70 without getting nothing for waiting. So if you're 75, you've lost five years of benefits for, no, for nothing. We'll give you six months of benefits in arrears. They'll say, well, you forgot to ask. They're not going to send you a notice saying, hey, you're 75. And people do this. People become 75. They're still working. They think they don't uh, qualify to collect the benefits because they're earning. That's not at all the case. So people don't get this straight. Professor, I've never heard of Social Security be called a Ponzi scheme, but the way you describe it, it, it is 100% a Ponzi scheme. How, I've never heard it described this way, but that's exactly what it is. Why am I paying for other people? Yeah. Okay. I want that to go to a 401k and double and triple and compound all the things. Like what? So Ponzi schemes are games where you like chain letters that we run in fifth grade we try and take money from somebody and give them a little piece of paper. And then they give a piece of paper. You get a dollar from that kid. And then that kid gives the paper and he gets it to another kid for $2. And that kid gives it to another kid for $3. And this continues until it doesn't continue until somebody's left having handed over a hundred bucks and gets nothing. Can't find another kid to hand over 200 bucks. That's the kind of a chain letter. That's why Ponzi schemes are called chain letters. So here in social security, we have a chain letter, a Ponzi scheme that is running out of money. We just had the trustees report of Social Security come out last week, and they tuck the bad news about the Ponzi scheme way in the back of the, the report. It's like a 200 and so page report. They put it in the appendix now. It used to be at the front, this particular table. It's table 6F1. It's Roman 6, so it's an I, it's a I and a V, you know, it's a V and an I. And then a number six, it's table 6F, no, F1, 6VIF1. If you look at that table, if you Google Social Security Trustees Report 2021, go to table 6F1, you'll see the system has an unfunded liability. That means it's the value, the present value of all the, the value in the present of all the projected outlays, all the benefit payments that they have to make through time into the, you know, distant future, minus the present value of all the, the taxes they're going to collect, according to their actuaries projections, minus the trust fund, which is very small, that totals almost $60 trillion. Our GDP in our country is 20, close to $23 trillion. So we're talking about two and a half years of GDP. In other words, the country, this system is so broke that it would take our country two and a half years of producing all its output, nobody consuming anything, just using everything that's produced, sell it, sell it to the Chinese or the foreigners or whoever, the Slovenians, taking all that money and using it to put it set aside to, to pay future social security benefits. That's what, the, what it would take to get the system back into the black. It's in the red. So official debt is one year's GDP. Social security debt is two and a half years GDP. So this is broke beyond belief. But it's part of, like, I got economists are called a, a dismal scientist for a reason because we're really pretty, we can be pretty glum. But although we have 
fantastic personalities, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, but, but we need reality here, right? We just need reality. And I think, yeah. I, I think that's what you're giving us. But, yeah, so, but the really bad reality is that the system is uh, the entire fiscal system. You can look at it program by program. You look at the off the books debt for Social Security, off the books debt that's, that's kept and hidden, put in these appendices for Medicare, for, uh, for the defense program, defense expenditure. All these things have to be paid for by taxes. So let's look at the unfunded, let's look at the entire fiscal picture for the country and ask, is the whole entire fiscal enterprise sustainable? Well, it turns out it's not. And it's actually much worse than looking at, those, at official debt or social security by itself. If you put everything on the books and you project all the outlays for all the different programs, whether it's paying for the president's lunch, gassing up Air Force One, paying for the defense department, paying for welfare benefits, food stamps, et cetera, all those outlays in present value have a number. And then there's all the receipts, all the present value of all the taxes. The difference is about 10 years of GDP. It's not one year of GDP, which is the official debt. It's not two and a half years of GDP, Social Security. It's 10 years of GDP. And the absolute size of this unfunded liability depends on what discount rate you use, what interest rate you use to take a dollar in the future and translate it back into how much it's worth today. And so Social Security uses a low discount rate, which makes the, the absolute number be big. I like to use a much higher number which makes it smaller, but whatever discount rate you use, it turns out that we need about a 40% immediate and permanent increase in every single federal tax, excise taxes, corporate income taxes, uh, payroll taxes, personal income taxes, all these taxes, estate and gift taxes, all they, ha they all have to be 40%, somewhere 35 to 40% higher starting immediately. We have to have this massive tax hike to pay for all the spending that it, that's being projected, not by me, but by the Congressional Budget Office. Yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy high. I was just looking at my paycheck and we just got a bonus. And I was like, they took literally almost 50%. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And people have no incentive to work. This is why we have so many poor people. We just showed that if you take the poorest um, Americans, the 20% that are poorest, uh, a quarter of them are in marginal tax brackets above 70%. Some are in marginal tax brackets of up to 1,000%. You earn another dollar, you lose food stamps, you might lose your housing support, you can lose your uh, Medicaid benefits, you can lose your earned income tax credit, plus you have to pay the payroll tax, plus all these taxes. Add. And we do take into account the fact that if you pay the payroll tax, you get extra benefits. So it's not like we're yeah. leaving out the benefit side of anything. It's very carefully done. We're taxing people to death at the margin, but on average as well. I mean, you're saying it's the average tax is, well, here's my pay, here's my taxes, the ratio is my average tax. The marginal tax is if I earn an extra $100,000, how much do I get to keep? And as you said, it's not a whole lot. So the we have to fix the fiscal system. This is why, I don't know, you guys know I ran for president yep. back in 2016 against two people who had no idea or didn't seem to want to articulate what was wrong with the country. One of the problems is that the country is broke. We're posing that our conflict, and I'll stop talking because I know you guys are actually have more interesting things to say than I do, I think. That's good. 
But and I've been talking a lot. You know, that's my problem. I talk too much. You're a professor, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm in a, a college uh, lecture right now. This is an interesting lecture. Yes. But let me, what I want to really want to say is that this conflict is a false conflict. But the real conflict is not between the fringe left and the fringe right. The real conflict is between the old and the young. The real expropriation here is that the old people for five decades, seven decades now, starting with Eisenhower, who really gunned up the Social Security, this Ponzi scheme, every administration, Nixon did it to a large extent, every administration is taking their turn in trying to, in expropriating the young to the benefit of the old, but in the process, trying to do some good things. We need to force people to save. We need a Social Security type system because people on their own will not save enough for their old age. This, the healthcare system, the private healthcare system will not provide health insurance for people that pre-existing condition without the government's intervention. So there is a very important role for the government. It's just the, that role does not include expropriating our children, does not include bankrupting our country. What we need policies that redistribute within generations, that fix, that get us enough revenue to pay our, our costs. We need intelligent economist design policies. We don't need to drive our kids broke. I have a question that might be tough for you to answer, but which generation do you think is going to be the first generation that won't have access to Social Security? Is it going to be millennials, Lee and I, or is it going to be the generation after us? What, what are your thoughts there? I think the way things are going to go down is that they're not going to really ever cut the benefits because if they did that, the politicians would find the old people not coming to vote for them on election day. I think what they're going to do is cut the benefits indirectly by taxing people more on the benefits they receive. So they're going to give you your money into your left pocket and take it out of your right pocket. This is basically what they have underway. Right now, Sergio and Lee, I don't know if you know this, but we have under the federal income tax, your social security benefit is subject to taxation. So if you earn enough money, modified adjusted gross income, that's your income plus your social security, taxable income plus your social security benefits, is above a threshold, half of your social security benefits become gradually become taxable. And then if your income is even higher, if your MAGI, your modified adjusted gross income goes even beyond a second threshold, 85% become taxable. And those thresholds are not indexed to inflation. So this means that when you guys, and prices have just rose like 5% over the last 12 months, right? So when you guys are older, and starting to collect Social Security, those thresholds are going to be really low. So that means that at least 85% of your benefits are going to be subject to the federal income tax. So here you get your full benefit check, but then it's taxed away through this other... Yes, you're shaking your head. It's This is how the politician... And, and the, this is all in the projections. And the thing is still two and a half years broke of GDP broke. Okay, The thing is still not sustainable even though we've got this silent secret taxation of your benefits that you guys don't know about. And this all happened due to David Stockman, who's a former budget director. And I just tell you this one vignette, okay? Stockman is very concerned about the future sustainability of fiscal policy. And when he was the budget director under Reagan, the first budget director, he proposed, he said, so the system is broke. We need to raise the retirement age, starting with the, and he put actually a proposal, the Republicans floated a proposal in the Senate to raise immediately the retirement age for Social Security to 
to get Social Security. And that lost uh, in a vote 100 to 1. But he also slipped in this taxation of Social Security benefits that's not indexed for where the thresholds aren't indexed for inflation. Under the cover, he said, he told us in a meeting, I was actually working the Council of Economic Advisors, so I went to a budget meeting, to a meeting where he was gleeful about, look, I actually succeeded. I put this thing up, I knew it was gonna get shot down immediately as a lost leader, but under the cover of radar of that, I slipped in this other thing, which involves higher and higher taxation, so social security benefits through time, which was gonna come out of your hides. Now, he thought that was a great victory. I thought it was a terrible policy, basically. We need to do things in the light of the day, not hide them from the public. And we have not had a public discussion. The trustees report $50, $60 trillion unfunded liability in Table 6F1 is in the back of the, almost at the very end. If they push it any further back into that report, it's not going to be in the report. When it first came out, it was in the main part of the report. And the trustees who are supposed to talk about what's in the damn report don't even mention the number. This is the most single most important number in this report. It's not even mentioned. And it's $6 trillion higher than it was last year. We ran a deficit of $6 trillion last year, like twice the official deficit, the borrowing. Social Security's deficit went up by $6 trillion. Bucks. So what can we do? People that are still in the workforce have probably at least a few decades to work. I mean, can we trust that it will be there? And Or it sounds like it's going to be there. It just sounds like they're just going to stiffen off all the benefit that we would have gotten in through taxes and all that. Well, you have to realize that you're living like an emerging country. That's what we used to call these countries, third world countries. Mm -hmm. We're on a slow path, maybe a fast track to Argentina. Argentina used to be the fifth highest per capita GDP country in the world. It's now a, an emerging third world country again, or not again. Uh, 1900, it was really up there. Now it's really down here. We're, that's the kind of trajectory we're on. And you have to do everything you can to protect yourself, namely make sure your parents get the most they can, can from the system because the more money they have, the less money you have to give to them the more money they'll leave to you if they pass, pass away. So you have, to, you have to save as much as you possibly can to, and you may want to save more in Roth form than in, in, in taxable, in a deferred tax program. A Roth account allows you to pay taxes now and not pay taxes in the future on money that goes into the account because the tax rates are likely to be higher in the future because the system is the whole country is so broke. So saving on housing, doubling up, this is all the ways that I can think of to help people at all ages get a higher living standard safely without uh, trying to beat the market, which is essentially impossible. So security decisions. So you have to think about yourself and your parents and even your siblings as a group. We have to kind of group up, get house rich, shack up with mom because we have about 25%, I believe that's the number of people your ages living with their parents at this point, because that's one way to really economize save on, up, yeah. save up. So our saving rates have to be dramatically higher. Our state national saving rate is among the lowest of the developed world, much like 10 times lower than China. It's just, 
uh, the Chinese realized that life is uncertain and that they've got a crazy government. So people privately just skimp and, and save man. We have to save like man. And the other thing is we yeah. can't retire early. We can't plan on, on retiring at 62 or, because we could be retired longer than we were. This could be, retirement is basically a decision to go on an indefinite vacation. We have to think of this as uh, the f- financially riskiest thing possibly that you, one could possibly do. So if we have the ability to not retire, and a lot of us are forced to retire, there's tons of age discrimination. If I were on the market right now to get a job at a top university, I'm at Boston University, but if I went on the market and I said to the uh, the top 20 universities, will you hire me? I've got uh, a long history of publications. I'm very active. They say, well, no, you're 70. They'll look at me and they'll say, you're 70, you got gray hair. And they probably won't. They'll think, well, he was active now, but two weeks from now, he'll stop working. Well, that's age discrimination right there. And that's for sure. So, so yeah, I would say we have to take retirement planning and career planning and job choice and housing decisions, all these and retirement account decisions, like should I, how much should I contribute? Would it be better to pay off my student loans and put money into my 401k? I absolutely would because those student loans are crazy high interest rates. Uh, don't borrow for college. I mean, do you know that 40% of the kids that go to college, start college end up failing out, dropping out? And it was that high, 40%. 40%. It's crazy high. (laughs) So it's crazy risky to borrow for college because there's a 40% chance right off the bat that they'll zero payoff. Yeah, I had a kid in my uh, undergraduate class. I was talking about, it was a course on personal finance. I was was, uh, talking about student loans. I said, they're really high interest rates. You really don't want to borrow. How many of you have uh, 10,000 loans? All the hands went up. How many have 20,000? All the hands were staying up. How many have 50,000? Well, 20% of the hands were up. Finally, I ended up with somebody who had over $100,000 in loans. And, and then, I mean, I knew at this point that I was going, walking down the wrong path. I should not have been asking these questions to begin with. Professional mistake. I should not, because I was putting people on the spot. Uh, asking about personal information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a violet. This was a, many years ago, so it wasn't just the other day. I'm a lot smarter now, but I made a huge mistake. And I said, "Would you mind telling me how much you you had you have?" And it was like 120,000. And so uh, <laughs> I was kind of struck. And BU is you know very expensive. If you're in the if you're not the net price is very low for most people. For a lot of people, because their income, parents' income is low, and then you got the people that from rich families who can afford it, but then you got the middle class people get stuck. Anyway, she was in that uh, range, and she got stuck having to borrow. And I said, "Well, you, I hope you're like um, a business major, so you're going to get a high salary and be able to pay this off." She's an art major. Oh, no. At that point, she's oh, good. <laughs> When I asked her, you know, what she was majoring in, at that point, she started to cry. And I felt just terrible. Oh. <laughs> it was really just a terrible thing I did. Uh, and I confess it. Uh, because Hopefully she's super rich now. 
Well, possibly, but <laughs> she had borrowed so much money that she could not pursue her career, her desired career. It didn't pay enough. Yes. Unless her, well, she's a, she was a senior. Did you have any job offers? Not even for unpaid internships. Did she didn't even get an unpaid internship at that point? Nobody was responding to her. And she was a, a bright person who just weren't jobs in that area. So she had borrowed money for this career and she borrowed so much that she couldn't pursue it. I was thinking, going back to Social Security, my biggest takeaway from hearing you is that we can't trust the government to take care of us when we're old. Like that's one vessel, Social Security. No super early retirement. But we need like the 401k down, we need the Roth, we need the savings, we need the investments all right, because the government may or may not be in the right position to take care of us. Is that the government is absolutely, totally, completely broke. We're broke beyond belief. We're broke yeah. beyond any developed country. We're probably in tw- twice the second worst developed country is fiscally speaking. So, and we can't also trust our employers to take care of us either. We, they may have plans set up where they aren't contributing enough. They're not getting us to contribute enough. We have to look at comprehensively at our finances and ask, what do we really need to save in order to make it to 100 because we might make it to 100. And so I want to make sure people understand that we have to pull together within families and across families, because the government has put us into a terrible shape. And that social security report is really just the tip of the iceberg. How bad that is, it's just still just the tip of the iceberg of the problem. Did I depress you guys? We're very happy. Uh, (laughs) I'm sad. (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, for me, I, it was eye-opening. It, this is, um, but this is what we need to hear because yeah. right now, you know, everywhere, every station you turn on or every politician that tells what's going on, they're making it seem like, oh, it's not that bad. They want to give you kind of like a false sense of hope, but really it's on the people to take care of themselves. And I think I won't get too political, but I think that a lot of people put too much faith in uncle Sam to take care of them. And I think we're at this crossroads where we have to realize, Hey, like it's not, it might not be there. And the best solution is for you to make the right decisions in regards to your investing, planning for your retirement, and then living reasonably. I think that's one thing that I think from your economic based planning approach that I really like is you have to be reasonable and how you look at your future and your consumption smoothing is extremely important. You can't look at everything with the cherries on top and, and a rainbow over it because that might not be the future. So yeah. think about what you, the life you want to live and cut out as much material things as you can and live reasonably. Yeah. I think uncle Sam is not just that he's looking out, not looking out for us. He's looking out for himself is basically what the way we should think about uncle Sam. He's a degenerate, right? He's like, I I, I picture him like a degenerate gambler. Like he owes a bunch of different bookies all across the world. And he's in a tough spot. Uncle Sam's in a tough spot. I'd say he's a thief from the perspective and a scam artist. From the perspective of your generation, he's running a Ponzi scheme. I discussed two scams that Social Security is running. Official scams uh, that are not even the, the Ponzi scheme part, even independent of that, just the way they deal with benefits. The fact that you pay all your life. And if you forget to ask for a benefit, you don't get it. I mean, that's a huge scam, right? That's just indecent. That's like stealing your money. 
He's the thief. Uncle Sam is a thief. So I love our country, but, and I know we can do better, but unless we have truth and people see what's really going on, we're, not, we're never going to fix things. You haven't heard a single politician mention Social Security's long-run uh, problem. Professor, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We love your insight. We love the beautiful gray picture, dim, <laughs> dim lip painting that you, you painted. And, uh, but it's really great stuff and it's important. It's, and it's also refreshing to hear about it because you're right. A lot of the politicians, they don't want to talk about it because it probably puts them in a bad light knowing that these things happen on their watch. But um, your books, where can, I, I'm really excited for Money Magic your social security book, where can people get these? Well, I would say the neighborhood bookstore, if you, you know, they could place an order there, obviously Amazon, there's uh, Barnes and Noble, but we want to try and support independent bookstores because they're disappearing. But anyway, it's coming out on the 4th of January and it's a fun read. It, It starts off with my explaining why I became an economist rather than a doctor. I'll leave it at that. That's great. Congrats on that. Everyone go get the book, Money Magic. Thank you, Professor. Let's go to Larry. Forget the Professor Robert Okay. Yeah, we should have asked. We've been calling you Professor this whole Yeah, time. thank you so much, man. Well, thank, thank you, Larry. I appreciate you Thank you on. so much, Larry. Okay, guys. Take care. <laughs> You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.